Amen. It's so good to worship together. Um, we're going to continue to worship um, by reading from the Gospel of John, um, John chapter 20, and hopefully it will come up on the screen for you. Um, we're in this series, Encounters with the Risen Jesus, the Risen Christ, and so this morning we're going to look at um, the second part of this story um, that we looked at last week. So John chapter 20, verse 11 to 17 And again, it's this encounter in the garden with Mary Magdalene. Verse 11 says this, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell him where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Indeed, may God add a blessing to the hearing and the doing of of the word today. And today I want to talk to us about us as a church, as Redeemer, what's happening? Um, and I hope point us in a direction forward. But before we do that, let us lean into this story again, this brief encounter in the garden with Jesus, because I believe it holds for us a special truth, an important truth that will help us as we think forward into the future. For those that are astute among you or those following along, you'll notice that we um, are back in the same passage, as I've said, that we were last week. We're back in John 20, in the same story, and we're back in Mary's shoes again. And as I say, it's because I believe there's something more here for us. You'll remember last week how we focused in on this passage um, from the Gospel of Mark following the death of Jesus, and something remarkable had happened. And the female disciples, they rushed to attend the grave of their friend Jesus, to anoint his body, to go through those rituals, those burial rituals upon his death and to honor him as, as his body was laid to rest. And you'll know, we know the story. They arrive at the tomb. And we've, we've spoken about this over recent weeks. They discover an empty tomb that Jesus' body had gone. And you'll remember that there's this dramatic and unexpected way at the end of Mark that we spoke about a few weeks ago where the women were not celebrating and rejoicing like we might on Easter Sunday, but indeed there's this description of the women as, quote, trembling and bewildered. And Mark tells us that they fled from the tomb, that they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. And and we spoke about how that the gospel, this ending at the end of, the Mar- of Mark's gospel points to this truth um, that maybe often gets lost in the Easter story, that for those women, the only thing more terrifying in the world than a world with Jesus dead was a world in which he was alive. And then you'll remember 
last week how we dived into this particular encounter and with Mary Magdalene and she having heard these rumors that Jesus' body was missing. The tomb was empty. She rushes to the tomb and now we find her and she's, she's weeping and she's weeping tears of, I, I imagine, fear, grief and bewilderment. Perhaps emotions that are close to some of us in the days that we're living in. And she hears these words, woman, why are you crying? And she thinks it's the gardener and she turns and Jesus is standing before her. And Jesus says her name, Mary. And through those tears, she sees Jesus standing before her, alive, breathing, present to her, saying her name. Indeed, bringing tremendous comfort to her. And in a not in a grand announcement, but just in a one-on-one -on -one encounter with her. Christ, the resurrected Christ, is before her. And it's this beautiful and intimate encounter that reminds us just of how present Jesus is to each of us, how he enters into our fear and bewilderment, how he says our name, how he comforts us, how he is present to us. But this week, there's more to this passage that I want us to wrestle with. And want to allow perhaps to speak to us. And because as we move on in the story, you will see that not only does Jesus have such a beautiful message that he comforts Mary and speaks her name, but also in verse 17, he directs her and he says this, do not hold on to me. Do not hold on to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And so Christ is talking about the ascension. He's returning in a mysterious way to the right hand of the Father. And yeah, he leaves Mary with comforting her, yes, but also directing her, do not hold on to me. What Mary has not realized is that a new world has been born. Although this was Jesus, her friend, the familiar Jesus, standing in front of her, this was a resurrected Jesus who had entered the bowels of the old world and through death had risen into a brand new world. Things were not the same. The new world was not going to look like the old. Jesus is saying to her, do not hold on to me. And the old world, Mary and the other followers of Jesus would have walked with him and ate with him and learned from him and indeed maybe clung to every word he said as this rabboni, as this teacher, as this master, the very words of Mary in this encounter. And yet in this new world with these words, do not hold on to me. Jesus is drawing a line in the sand. He's saying, Mary, everything has changed. The new world is here and this reality demands something different from us. And I think the same <clears throat> is for us, that we are to follow Jesus into the reality of the new world. And there's something here for us, I think, not only in a big picture way, but I think as we consider returning in a sense to a totally different world in the post-COVID world, in the, the world after this year that has been, like Mary, we 
are entering a different world, there, there has been a proverbial line drawn in the sand. We can speak about our reality, our lived experience as before COVID and after COVID. And it hasn't gone anywhere. Of course, we're still living with the realities of, of, of that and the impact of that. But yet, every time we envisage the future, we're envisaging a different future. Our concept, our reality, our view of the future is this post-COVID world. Things have changed. There's a line in the sand. And with this, I guess, there's a sense of bewilderment and fear, but also I trust and believe a tremendous amount of opportunity and hope. Indeed, that is what I want to speak to us today about. Just like there was on that first Easter Sunday, is this Redeemer not the story of the gospel, that God has, has come, has visited us with his salvation, has entered into like an old world, and from that has brought forth a new world, that Jesus has, has been the first to break through that line. He is the prototype human. The, the scriptures describe that as the first fruits of the new creation. He's the first one to take the step forward into the new world, and Jesus finds us here on the threshold and he comes to us and he's present to us and he comforts us and he says our name and he also says do not hold on to me and essentially he's not saying that he's absent from us but he's saying that a new world has begun brennan manning calls this he says this for me the most radical demand of the Christian faith lies in the summoning of the courage to say yes to the present risenness of Jesus Christ. There is a courage, there is an invitation, but there is a courage to follow Jesus into the new world. Okay, let's take a moment to consider what really has happened to us in the past year. Maybe we're fed up talking about it in one sense. This is the reality we, we live in. And I think the longer that our, this pandemic continues to go on, I believe that we're all slowly realizing the deep and lasting impact of it. Of course, that direct impact of the of this has led to many lives lost, many suffered and suffering by the illnesses caused by this particular global virus, this, this coronavirus. And then there's also this indirect impact. There's the disruption of our daily lives. There's, there's the way that we live and work and relate to one another has changed. There's our economy has changed, our politics has changed, our children's education has changed, the levels of our mental health and well-being have changed. I mean, the future has just changed. It's just different. We're on a different course, in a sense, a different timeline. And what we're living through will be retrospectively looked at like something which has a generational legacy or impact, much like a wartime. Or, and as I say, we're all, in a sense, some of us are just tired, tired talking about it. I am tired talking about it. We're tired hearing about it. We're tired thinking about it. And yet, in a sense, our society, our world is going to continue to process this for years to come, to, to try to make sense of it all, to try and, in fact, inform our learning for the future 
as well. And this is just a broad summary, isn't it, of the broad brushstrokes, but what about down at the real practical level of our lives here in Belfast and Redeemer and our social networks have changed, friends and families and communities and workplaces aren't, aren't quite the same. We're, it's a different world in a sense. And that includes here in Redeemer Central. The story continues, yes, but what, if, what about the next chapter? What, what lies ahead of us? At a very, very practical level, um, we're going to reopen our Sunday gatherings next Sunday, which is wonderful. We're going to begin to regather in person in this space next Sunday, Sunday the 2nd of, of May. And we're going to have limited capacity and shorter gathering times and social distancing, just like we did in September last year and uh, through to December. We're I am looking forward to that. I know many of you are as well. I've been speaking to some of you this week because we're made for physical presence with one another. And our, our gatherings are so important, so important in the life of a church in order for us to function and to allow the Spirit of God to stir us and send us out. So look out this week for more information. Look out this week for that email that will invite you to book, book a ticket, book your place here. We'll have limited space, but we'd love to see as many as feel comfortable be able to begin to gather as we worship together in person. But as we've been speaking about this morning, we're not returning to the same world we left, and so much has changed, and we're realizing, I guess, that, that this return, this, this return is not a one-time thing. It's not a definitive date in the diary. It's it's this reboot of church life, just to take this as one example, is not going to happen just on one particular date. But this return is more like a rebuild. It's a slow and ongoing process that is beginning. And it's going to take time before things take shape. It's going to take time before all of our community, maybe friends that we have and others are going to feel comfortable to begin to reintegrate into things like a church gathering in person, which means we're going to have to continue to work hard to create spaces <clears throat> where the majority feel comfortable, um, where people can connect meaningfully. I think that means that we're going to continue to live stream on Sundays because some of the community are going to continue to be connecting in that way until they feel more comfortable to be in person. I also think it means that we're going to continue into the future like many churches and, and workplaces and businesses using technology and Zoom to have events and to coordinate and to connect. And I think for us, I think over the next number of months in May and June and July and August, I think we're going to have to utilize gathering outside in parks and private homes when we're allowed to do so to, to maximize the comfort levels for the majority of the community. I'm looking forward to coffee in the parks or barbecues in the summer where we can gather together again and begin to see one another and be with one another and begin to rebuild a sense of community again in person. So I guess my first encouragement today as we think about the story and that we've just been meditating upon briefly with Mary in the garden, I suppose my 
my encouragement for us today is that we need to have some grace and some patience for the season ahead as we follow Jesus into this new world, into this post-COVID world, as we rise to the challenges around that and the changes around that and as we improvise church life according to that new reality. So grace and patience we're all going to have to show. The second thing I want to uh, speak to, I guess, in terms of the future is I'd like to invite us all as a church community into a conversation that I've been having with uh, senior leaders and some of you have been out walking and having coffee in the past number of weeks and months about what does this new world look like for, a, for Redeemer Central? What does the future hold for a, for a small local church in the heart of the, of the city of Belfast? What's the impact been of the pandemic? What's been revealed to us? What can we learn how do we navigate the road ahead? What's, what's God saying to us in this? What's the spirit of Christ leading us to? How is the, the Christ story informing our next steps? Our leadership team have been sensing the need to hit reset on church life. And so I think in the weeks and in the months to come, it is going to look like reflecting and learning. It's going to look like evaluating. It's going to look like discussing and realigning and recommitting and, and in a sense, rebuilding. We, I, our leadership, we want to lead you, us, the Redeemer community to follow the way of Jesus into the new world. To not to cling to the past or the old world, the old ways. We want to adapt to this new world while holding the core of our story that we live in so close. Here's a few thoughts, though. Here's a few things that I'm considering. Don't have the answers now, but maybe this will spark some thought in you. Like, how do we in Redeemer faithfully be a city-centered church that serves the needs of this community while being a people that are actually spread across the city and beyond in the towns and villages? We're spread so geographically. We have people that belong to this community that live in the north of Belfast, the south, the east, and the west. We also have people that live in Newry and Ross Trevor and Antrim and Carrick and Lisburn and Bangor and Sainfield and Cumber and Newtonards and Mollusk, Glengormany and White Abbey and Newton Abbey and Dundonald and Ballyclare and Temple Patrick. We're a church that has always been and continues to be geographically spread for a, a variety of reasons. And we, we have the city center distinctive where we have a presence here in the city center and the community that surrounds here. But we are also people that live in a wide, broad area. And so how do we wrestle with that? How do we serve that better? How do we continue Redeemer to be a place of deep, real, authentic friendship and support that is knitted across a wide geographical area like that? That's the kind of question that I've heard some of you asking me and I've been wrestling with. I think that's one of the questions that we'll have to do better with in the season ahead. How do we, for example, here's another one, faithfully serve our families and our children, our young people in the season ahead in a way that brings a sense of continuity and stability love and care that see young people grow in the way of Jesus. 
being a city center church brings with it a level of transience, doesn't it? It's an intersection point in many people's lives as they come through university or starting their professional lives or whatever. And yet we want this place to be deeply rooted for the future, a place where there can be continuity and stability for our families and young people and our children. So there's another question that I'm wrestling with and our team are wrestling with. And I'm, we've asked the question before. I'm not so sure we've totally ever solved it. And so there's an invitation, an opportunity for us to, to do better there as we move forward. Or what about this final little thought? And there's many questions more, but how do we continue to be a church that makes room and space for our differences, for our stories, for the breadth of views, theologically, politically, sociologically, on the minor issues in life while we hold true to this common bond that we have in Jesus Christ as brothers and sisters in Christ. I believe strongly in Redeemer is rooted centrally in the open table that we practice every week, but it's also a picture of how we think of church and shape church. But it's gonna take an understanding of the gospel, a vision of the kingdom, a clearer view in order to do that well, in order to be a church that continues to make room and space for the breadth in that way, but also deeply committed as brothers and sisters to Christ and the hope of the gospel. Indeed, that is what the gospel is about, bringing unity in diversity. And so there's an exciting invitation in the season ahead for us to continue to wrestle that with even further and fuller commitment going forward. There's three questions um, but there's many, many more. And I guess wrestling with questions like that make us community. I've been thinking about the nature of church recently and how that we're not a program, but we're actually a people. And with people, um, a real sense of life, of kingdom life, I would say, is in the wrestling. It's in the tension. It's in the coming together in diversity. It's coming with our questions and it's wrestling those through together in love and forming something beautiful that looks like the kingdom. I think thirdly, um, I'm gonna, the season, the next season requires, yeah, not only grace and, and patience because it's gonna take time and it's not only gonna require wrestling with some of these kinds of questions. But it's going to take a team effort, not just the grace and the patience and the time, not just the reset and the rethinking, but it's going to take a team effort. Uh, we are a family, a community. It's, it's not just, although it has been for many months, just, just me and my voice on this camera, and that is not a representation of our community at all. And yet we've been, I, sen I sense doing our best, but we are a family, a community. It's not just me or the SLT or those that are on, on stage or serving regularly, the most committed few, but the church is a family. And so going forward into this new world, following Jesus into the new world will require not only patience and a sense of reset and rethinking, but it'll require a commitment, a team effort, everyone playing their part, everyone taking their place. We, we, we love to, be a, to think of ourselves as a place where stories can be told, where 
where there are multiple voices and we need that at the front. We need more of you to, to share your stories. We need more to serve and to give and play your part. But more than anything, we need one another's presence. Showing up and the gift that that is, the blessing that we can bring to one another, the love that we can show, the listening ear, the encouragement. So I guess this is a pastoral invitation. I'm, I'm inviting you all, those that are listening to this this morning, those that will listen on the podcast this week, to, to take up that invitation to reconsider, as you're reconsidering your commitments in the season ahead, as you think about what does it look like for me to follow Jesus faithfully, not holding on to the old world, but following him into this new world. I want to invite you to consider that you have a role to play in that, that your presence matters. And in fact, let me go beyond that whether Redeemer itself is the church community that you choose to belong to, let me encourage you to just connect to a local church of some kind, whether it's Redeemer or not. Let us make belonging to church community that keystone habit, like an intentional decision that will have a massive payoff, where it's maybe easier to to not bother or to see how it goes. Let us consider over the weeks ahead where our values lie and what we want um, to put in place as our keystone habit. Let us, by the Spirit of God, by the grace of God, enable us to, to throw our lot in to a local church. And if it's Redeemer, that is brilliant. And if it's not, that's okay too. The new post-COVID world will take time and require grace. The new post-COVID world will require a reset and require adaption. And thirdly, the new post-COVID world will require a team effort, a family community effort. I hope this excites you. But I guess, let me just speak to this too, with any kind of change comes a sense of uncertainty. That's, it's, it's, it's inevitable. We are creatures drawn to certitude. And the modern era, I think in a sense, has sometimes conditioned us to jettison the need for faith. We are people to live by faith, not by certitude. And often we replace faith, and we've been conditioned in the modern era to do this. We replace faith with answers and strategies and plans and, and maybe even control. And not all of that is negative, but at almost every turn, the water we swim in is what I might like to describe as a disenchanted world. A world where we can measure everything and weigh everything and explain everything. And, and yet we as people of faith know that this world is deeply enchanted, mysterious. Not everything can be explained. There's a resonance. There's a mystery. There's a profundity. There's a sacredness to this world. I think... 
the disruption of COVID has perhaps revealed to us, has turned the tables on these, on these rhythms of life that we were living by before and trying to sustain. I think it's revealed to us that although we, we deeply miss one another in this season and the social connection, because that's a, a, a location of resonance, we don't miss the pace of life that the secular age was dragging us along at. We don't miss that pace. And so we're going to take steps carefully. I'm sure you are with your family or friends, thinking about what you give your time to, thinking about where you commit. All of this means that the future looks different. And I guess at this point, I want to frame this as a hugely positive opportunity, a place, a location where hope can be discovered, where life can be found in a little bit more of a sustainable way, where there can be relationships and connections and a sense of belonging that brings true resonance to our lives, not like a sense of uh, void or emptiness or... And indeed, with it, there's an invitation for us to learn and to follow the prototype, our prototype brother, Jesus, leading us into full humanity. So, in wrapping up and bringing this to a close before we take communion, it's the people of God, I believe, that this moment is an opportunity for us to reconsider faith, trust, the leading of the Spirit, letting go of the past, not holding on to the past, but indeed following Jesus into the new world. This is the very project, the very heart of the gospel. This is what Eugene Peterson calls practicing resurrection. And so as followers of Jesus, I'm just reminded that our story is a story of life from death, restoration and renewal, a story that contains everything we might need to cope with the world and the future that lies before us. We should not fear. We should not be bewildered uh, like those early disciples. But in fact, we should lean into a ruthless trust that dares us to believe in a God who brings life from dead things. Let us step into a sense of community, of resonance, not feeling good all the time about everything. That's really idealistic, but in a sense, feeling alive, feeling that there are questions to be asked and things to wrestle with, a sense of belonging and connection, and the joy in finding life beyond death. This is what binds us to one another. So this truly good news, Redeemer, let us be filled this morning with hope as we hear the words of Jesus saying to us, our name be present to us, but also as he says to us, do not hold on to me, but follow me into the new world to come. I look forward to seeing how the Christ story continues to unfold in and through us in the days and the weeks and the months ahead. I'd love us to, to take communion. I'd love us to sing. We're going to sing uh, and worship Jesus. And as I say, we're going to take communion together, the bread and wine. So it's a great opportunity now to just get that bread and wine or the crackers and juice that you have. Um, get that ready and um, be participant in this table of Jesus, which is the focal point 
of our story, the place where we find provision and grace, and not only that, but find an invitation into such a good future, such a beautiful future, such a hopeful future, when we follow our King Jesus into it, our Good Shepherd Jesus. Um, yeah, so let's sing together over to Connor and Hannah as we sing, and then we will finish with bread and wine together.